Hi, and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I'm Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. And I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. Today, we get to chat about leading with your personal values with DaVita's chief medical officer, Dr. Jeff Gillian, known fondly in the village as Dr. G. Welcome, Dr. G. Well, thanks. Love being here. Thanks. Thank you so much for being on the show today to share your stories and insights on leading with personal values. So let's first get centered on why do you think it's so important for leaders to lead with their personal values? Well, thanks, Grace and and Doug. And like I said, I love being here. Love being able to share this with everybody. You know, I certainly believe that every single one of us needs a true north. We need something to provide us clarity of decision-making. Decision-making, as I've certainly learned in the past several months, can be tough. Um, Sometimes there's just not uh, always a purely right answer or a purely wrong answer. There's not always data that tells us or gives us the right answer. And so everyone, at least in my opinion, needs this compass inside of them to guide them in decision-making that can be difficult from time to time. Values, I think, certainly are our compass. Excellent. You know, I'd love to hear, Dr. G, a little bit more about your true north. What are your personal values that drive uh, your tough decision-making? My true north, uh, my personal core values are teamwork, integrity, and self-improvement. And I guess when you look at this through a DeVita lens, self-improvement is kind of like continuous improvement. And as, mm-hmm. I look, as I look back, all three of these have probably been with me since childhood, though I'm not sure really I knew it at the time. They've been a driving force behind what motivates me in my decision-making, in my actions, and in my behaviors, at, at least certainly most of the time. I guess I'm, I'm definitely not perfect in all of this. But it wasn't really clear until later in life when I figured these out and I put a name to them. These are really deep down inside of me. They are a part of my being. And what I found is that when you name something, you give it purpose. Mm. You mentioned that it wasn't until later in life when you figured out uh, your, you know, narrowed it down to those three personal values. So I'd love to hear a bit more, um, Dr. G. How did you get clarity around them? I mean, I, I can imagine there's a bunch of stuff that you believe in and that are important to you. How did you narrow it down to these three? Was it was there a pivotal moment or an event that helped you get this clarity? I think there were probably lots of little events, but what I remember most specifically is, is back in college, I had a chemistry professor of all things, and chemistry was not something I was particularly interested in. But, but this professor, Dr. David Pennington, who has since deceased, he became really a mentor to me. I was very, very fond of him. And he always reminded us as students that there are more important things in life than chemistry. And believe me, I did not need to be reminded of that part. But what he taught us was know thyself. And I learned later that's, uh, that's from the Oracle of Delphi in ancient Greece. But he was mentoring us to get us to know ourselves. And in college, I'm not even sure I really knew what that meant. But a little bit later, as I was applying to medical school, I spent a lot of time self-reflecting on what it is that I wanted to, to be when I grew up, if you will. And, and part of getting to know myself, uh, certainly at that time and then as I became a young physician, was figuring out what motivates me. What are those motivating factors? And these three items that I mentioned, they truly are what drives me. 
How did that clarity change how you navigated life, Dr. G? Well, much later in, in medical school, in my training now in the late 90s, um, unfortunately, and, and this is hard to admit, certainly hard to admit to myself, but there were times when I really wasn't living by those values. And, and there's one episode that I remember very clearly, a time when one of my surgical professors pulled me aside. She actually called me up to her office and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know, she's going to invite me to be a surgical resident under her. She's going to tell me that her residency program is not complete until Jeff Gillian joins it. Uh, But quite (laughs) honestly, uh, nothing could have been further uh, from the truth. She called me in to really talk about my relationship style uh, and people on her team and some of the difficulties they were having connecting with me. And I was certainly dumbfounded at that time. I had to really look inside and figure out that I wasn't doing a good job of outwardly demonstrating my, my personal values. Uh, now, that turned out to be a, a pretty crappy day in my life, uh, but one that is uh, really important to me. And it is a constant reminder to me as I reflect back on that of who I want to be, how I want to treat others, and how I want to be perceived by others. That's such a great example of, I mean, and clearly it still stands out to you as, as a memory of, of when you felt like, oh, that felt painful for me to not be living up to my values the way I want to and how that kind of changed the way you move forward. So I'd love to look at um, the flip side of that. Could you share a time in your life when you felt that you did a really good job of leading with your uh, personal values from the get-go? So some a a moment when you thought, gosh, I I definitely nailed it. This is what it feels like to be true to myself and to live those those personal values. And what was the impact that it had on you and others when you did that? I don't know that I've ever perfectly nailed it, to use your words, but uh, there are a couple (laughs) of times um, that are pretty formative in my career uh, that I look back on fondly as having truly led with my values. And both of those times opened big doors for me. One of them actually has to do with DeVita, uh, but long before I was a teammate, I was in clinical practice in Denver, and I had just been named to be medical director of a brand new dialysis unit. And the truth of the matter is, I didn't know anything about being a medical director, uh, but this was an opportunity for me to embrace teamwork, self-improvement, and integrity. And I was really fortunate. I lucked out having just a phenomenal, phenomenal facility administrator who was patient with me, who certainly exposed me to the right resources and helped me help the team build what became really a a spectacular facility. We went from having no patients to being full and and thriving. And it was uh, definitely a time in my life where I felt like I was able to impart good things to a team and to a group of patients because of teamwork, integrity, and continuous improvement. And I just still get a lot of satisfaction thinking about what we built, but more importantly, thinking about how we built it. And then a second time uh, that that certainly rings true for me and, and I remember fondly was when a new hospital was going up just south of Denver and there was a call for volunteers to come in and help write the bylaws for physicians. Physician groups uh, have to be credentialed in a hospital and we follow certain bylaws, no different than the way physicians practice in dialysis facilities like DeVita. And I showed up at the first meeting, I had no idea what I was doing. I sat there, I listened, I learned from other people and I wanted to be a good team member and I wanted to really embrace the idea of self-improvement. So I went back home, I learned about bylaws, I talked to different people, 
And I just kept showing up at these meetings. And eventually, I wasn't the guy there just to sit back and listen and learn, but I was now being able to help lead. And this ultimately culminated in me being asked to be the chair of medicine at that hospital. And so it, again, solidifies to me that when I focus on team, when I focus on integrity, and when I focus on continuous, continuously improving myself or self-improvement, uh, that good things tend to happen. You know, what's present for me after you're, you shared that, Dr. G, is, Doug, you, this reminds, us of, reminds me of our growth, um, growth mindset episode, right? Like it really sounds like your self-improvement is is really a growth mindset where you were focused not on proving yourself and how good you were already, um, how good you already were, but really focusing on how you could improve yourself. So I just, I that just popped into my head. I thought it was a great connection back to our growth mindset. Yeah, it's a, it's a great tie-in. And you know, this conversation, Jeff, is um, reminding me of some times in my life, and I'm wanting to ask this next question and really curious to hear your answer, because I think there are times where we can go get so clear about our personal values, um, and then they end up being in conflict with someone else's. And uh, so I'm wondering, how, how have you navigated a relationship where that happened um, where your personal values may be in conflict with someone else's, and, and how did you stay true to yourself? Well, there's no question, Doug, that conflict is, is natural. We as humans certainly uh, often experience conflict, and it's not always because our values don't line up. I mean, who's going to sit there and tell you that teamwork is bad and integrity is bad and improving yourself is bad? I don't think anybody would, would say that they have a, a real conflict with those values at least not uh, on the surface of them. But more often than not, at least in my experience, many of us, we, we all want to achieve the same things. We just sometimes have a different opinion on how we achieve, uh, how we achieve this. And so, again, I don't think it would imply that just because I have conflict with somebody that somehow they don't value integrity. And I'm, I certainly reflect back on times when I was in clinical practice and uh, I had some great partners. We all wanted to achieve the same thing. We wanted, obviously, uh, economic success so that we could remain in practice. We wanted success for our patients and the clinical care that we gave. And none of us would, would dispute that. But we certainly had differences in opinion on how to get there. And I recall uh, really having significant conflict with one of my partners who, at least in my opinion, felt that we were going to get to economic prosperity and great patient care by cutting overhead, uh, I had a very different opinion where I felt like we needed to invest in more people in the clinic. And certainly that led to a lot of conflict, it led to a lot of strife, uh, led to a lot of disappointment in terms of how I felt about myself, how I was communicating, and certainly uh, the relationship I had. And what I recognized through that, and unfortunately in some cases we recognize this too late, is again, we all probably want in many cases the same things. If there's conflict, part of what that means is that we've got to go back and build solid relationships and build trust, share the why with one another. Because in this case, it wasn't so much a conflict of our values. It was a conflict on yeah. how we get to the same destination that we both wanted. Hmm. That's a great example. So I'm wondering, Dr. G, did you feel in the moment, like just taking yourself back, did you mistakenly think at the time it was a conflict of values? Oh, certainly. Certainly. I, I thought he was wrong and I was right. I mean, of course, what other... Uh, 
What? Wouldn't we all? <laughs> right, right. And you know, for a long time, I thought, well, gosh, uh, a, why doesn't he care about our practice? Which nothing could have been further from the truth. And 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 why doesn't he know how much I care about the practice? And again, I think it comes down to, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. But um, this conflict of being, we really didn't sit down with each other and agree on what the endpoint was, and then share with each other the reasons why. Uh, we wanted to get there on the path that we wanted to get there. Quite honestly, he wasn't right, but I wasn't right either. Uh, and we probably would have had more prosperity, better outcomes for our patients, better experience as a practice had we really sat down uh, and had that uh, that eye-to-eye conversation. That's a great example of how um, uh, of a time, I suppose, when you when you didn't share your personal values, so that you can kind of get on that same page and maybe have a different outcome or a different different um, you know uh, like journey with that relationship. So I'm wondering if you have a time uh, you could share when you did um, share your personal values with someone you led, and how did that impact your relationship and their trust in you as a leader? You know, Grace, uh, it's a great question. Uh, it probably doesn't have a very good answer, but I, I was reminded frequently, first off, uh, to speak softly and, and carry a big stick, and people that know me know that I rarely speak softly, but I want to make sure that I'm not just sharing these values outright with people, but that I'm actually living them and that that can be felt and seen. But I'm often mm. also reminded by my wife that people cannot read my mind, and so it's often worthy to, to share this. I look back at my time with Hospital Services Group and and the leadership we had there as being really formative in in teaching me how to do this with teams. And we spent a lot of time in hospital services really uh, sharing with each other what motivates us, what values drive us. And this was a huge gift for me. It certainly helped me to better understand where my team was coming from. And it gave me a choice, uh, excuse me, it gave me a chance and I guess I had a choice as well, but it certainly gave me a chance to, to give them a glimpse of, of what drives me. And I think part of the success that we've had in hospital services, and I would look at other teams around the village that have equally been successful, it is because that core team really does build that trust and shares with each other uh, what motivates them and what drives them. I'm uh, really appreciating that, Jeff. And, and um, you know, looking at the impact of values can have as we share those and get to know each other and build trust. And I'm wondering if that's influenced, you know, how you lead others um, and coach them to lead with their personal values. Well, part of my growth right now is really learning how to be a coach. I would say it's not something that comes naturally to me. Certainly in my role currently, I feel like it is a responsibility of mine. And so I will just tell anybody out there listening who I might be coaching, I apologize from the beginning for the times I get it wrong. But um, one area I think I've gotten it right, only time will tell, is actually with my daughter. So my daughter's 13 years old. Many of you know uh, what kind of time that is in life. We've been very, very yeah. lucky, <laughs> knock on wood, that uh, it's still it's still magical and still wonderful. So my daughter's an eighth grader, and if I look back to when she was in sixth grade, this was a happy-go-lucky kid who had tons of friends, was really just thriving. Uh, it was phenomenal. Mm. And then she went into seventh grade, and while many things were still good, I think what we saw is a kid who was sort of leaving the comfort of her friend group that she'd had for a while and that she had uh, certainly a lot of trust in and was maybe 
uh, chasing popularity a little bit. And we've all done that. Certainly, uh, I did that in middle school, and probably many of you did as well. But she was trying to you know, sit at the lunch table with the popular kids. And what she found was she just wasn't really being accepted in that role. But she had left her stable group of friends, and so she was no longer really accepted there either. And I remember last year, seventh grade, we had lots of conversations, her sitting in the back seat of the car, me in the front seat of the car, which is really where the best conversations with a middle schooler uh, <laughs> ever occur. And, you know, I'll I was take able note of that. To just, exactly. I was able to just, you know, hold that, that sort of medical, metaphorical mirror up to her uh, and, and point out, or, or maybe I didn't point it out so much as she figured out uh, what she was doing, where she had sort of lost herself, and maybe where she'd lost some of her own values. And I guess in a way, uh, not that any of us are glad that COVID happened, certainly I'm not, uh, but seventh grade ended early for her, um, and she got to spend a lot of the rest of the time that would have been seventh grade with friends, and, and obviously a lot of the time during the summer, self-reflecting, growing as as middle schoolers mature, certainly. And she was able to really come to the conclusion at the beginning of this school year uh, that her values are different than the values of the kids that maybe sit at the popular table. And so this year, she's really gone back to build those relationships with the kids that she feels comfortable with that share her values. Uh, it's been great for me as a parent to watch her. She is so happy when she comes home from school. And and certainly, she does not owe any of that to me, but I get to at least feel like I did some of that coaching. And plus, I get to think that at least for now, she still listens to me. I know that won't necessarily always be the <laughs> Be the course of action, at least as she gets into high school. Oh, what a wonderful story. And that's great parenting advice for me. My daughter just turned 10, so it makes me nervous about <laughs> what's to come. And I think it's such a great reminder, not only you know, as a parent, also as um, as a leader in the village, that if somebody feels lost, right, if, if somebody who you're trying to coach feels a little bit lost or not quite sure where to go or something just doesn't feel quite right, what a great tip to be able to um, have them refocus on their values and help them get back to their true north. So um, with that, uh, I, I think you've given us lots of wonderful tips and advice and, and things to think about here. What, uh, what, would you, what would you consider your one tip? You know, if you had to narrow it down, what would be your one tip that you would challenge our listeners to try right away to lead with their personal values? I think I would have them try just a quick exercise. Go somewhere, sit down, reflect. Write down three or four values that you think are your driving motivational core values. And then write down one or two or even three times when you didn't live by them. And reflect on whether or not those instances cause you pain. They should feel like you just picked a scab. And certainly the instance that I mentioned, uh, third year of medical school, still causes me a lot of pain. And if you're embarrassed by those actions or decisions, then you have identified your core values. And, and if you're not, then, uh, then keep searching. What a great tip. Thank you so much, Dr. G, for being on the episode. Really appreciate all you do for our village and all that you do in life. Thanks. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. That was an insightful episode with Dr. G. I loved his tip at the end to write down three or four words that you think are your core values, then to think about three instances when you did not live them. And if those memories cause you pain, then you have found your core values. 
completely agree, Doug. And speaking of tips, it is my turn to follow up on the tip from our last episode with Shaquilla Robinson-White on leading with empathy. And her tip was to think of a teammate with whom you have not had a non-business check-in and take some time to understand what's going on in their life. And How I, did it this go, is, Grace? This was such a great reminder, Doug, because... I think sometimes in my one-on-ones, I know with my direct reports, and I also have uh, one-on-ones every quarter with skip my skip level reports as well. And it's it can be tough to just uh, remember to not do business, 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 right? And because there's always a lot of stuff to have conversations around. But just really taking, um, and I try to take the first five or 10 minutes of every um of every one-on-one to just check in instead of just jumping straight into business, just being able to take a step back, asking them, you know, what's been going on um, for for the working parents. Just, hey, how's school been? How's virtual school been? How have you been adjusting to this new reality of ours? And or asking even as simple as, hey, how was your weekend? Or, hey, are you looking forward to anything this weekend? And just getting people to, to share about things in their life that maybe we don't always have a chance to hear um, in in the day-to-day meetings. Awesome. Thank you so much, Grace. And for our listeners, we would love to hear your stories and your tips as well. Please check out our show notes and click on that listener mail link to find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. It's super easy and super cool, and we love to get your messages. And if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please click on that subscribe button so you do not miss any more of our episodes. And last thing for our listeners, Doug, if you enjoy Mm -hmm. these podcasts, please rate us on iTunes or click on that survey link in our show notes so we know how we're doing. See you all next week, one for all. And all for one.